Stair Hurley is a third-generation family business operating from Jenkinstown, County Kilkenny. Stair Hurley produce handmade hurls made to the wishes of each individual. They can be contacted by phone on 083-434-775 or on social media via Facebook or Instagram. Hello and welcome to the Backdoor Hurling Show. I'm delighted to be joined by former Limerick hurler Paul Brown. Um, Paul, how strange is it like being in Limerick under the current circumstances in the build-up to an All-Ireland final? Um, very strange, yeah, I suppose. Um, like with, with my role in with Limerick GA, I suppose I, I meet some people in schools and stuff and um, out in a few clubs and things, but it is fairly, it's a fairly muted, low-key kind of build-up. Uh, it's just people, people just aren't meeting each other. I was... I was only saying last night to a fella like that normally if you're getting ready for an All-Ireland final you might also be training with your club like getting ready for club championship after and meeting fellas and underage games on at the field during the summertime in August like or September or whatever you know but um, just not meeting people that 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 outlet isn't there and I suppose you're really only meeting your close circle like and and for a coffee or whatever or for a meal you know now that we're allowed but it's a very muted build-up um, like there's a bit of talk about it, you know. You see some flags and bunting up, but it's just not as, it's not as 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 huge as it was in 2018. Anyway, there was a huge amount of media coverage and people asking you for this and that and the other, like you know. But it's just, I suppose, it's just not allowed now. So it's it's great for the players and and the no tickets side of things and no media, no not allowed to go anywhere, do anything, have to mind your keeping your bubble, have to keep away from people for fear of of bringing anything into the into the group, like you know, and compromising them there. So like from a player's point of view, it's probably a dream build up for an All Ireland. You have to just worry about getting yourself right, and there's no outside distractions really, you know. Is there a bit of an enjoyment factor, maybe you think, gone out with it the way it is this year? Like, no meals renting after training, um, you go training, you come home. Like, do you think there's not as much of an enjoyment factor this year compared to other years? Um, I suppose, look, I, I suppose I'm speaking from the outside there now and not being involved in it and, and seeing the workings of it on the ground for a training session like, but... I suppose look some of the most enjoyable parts of of hurling for me were the meals after training, as you said, the crack in the dressing room, the general chit chats, going for a coffee, you know, after chilling out together, team camps, show weekends away, um, training weekends, stuff like that, um, bonding sessions, anything like that. So look, they were the most enjoyable parts of 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 hurling for me. But look, I'm sure they've come up with inventive ways of doing it. They're not. It's not. It's not that they just don't do it. They just have to come up with different ways of doing it. I'm sure they have. Like I'm sure they're still finding ways of, of connecting with each other and and having meals just more socially distanced or whatever, you know. And um, I suppose they are allowed access to dress rooms, but maybe they all have to wear masks and stuff like that, and windows open and doors open and stuff like that. So look, um, look, the, the the teams will find ways around it. And look, obviously they're that's their bubble as well like you know that's their that's their safe zone as well so all those people are are looking after what they're doing so i suppose there's a small bit of safety there as well obviously still have to be very careful i know but um like they definitely have fun ways around but as you said there i suppose they it's they probably are enjoying it but in different ways i would say you know i think they find different ways around it and like i suppose if we look back at your career from 2009 to 2019 before we get into the final um what do you think was the one thing that's changed from when you started off to the current crop of limit players now? 
Um, like there was always a good crop there. I just, I suppose, if you think about it, one of the main things for me is anyway the style of hurling that we were possibly playing mightn't have suited us as much as the style of hurling that we're playing now. You know, um, like. Limerick are well able to mix it and also very skillful. So I think now currently they found the perfect balance between that. Like I mean, Limerick always had big men and they always had small fast forwards as well, like to go with it, you know. And um, you think back to the likes of Andrew Shocks, even Graham O'Kahey started with me in two thousand and nine and you see he's only blossoming now. Like not that he didn't blossom, he was always a fantastic forward, but often he was living off scraps, Graham was like um from long balls in or high balls, you know, which didn't suit him at all. Like he's Early isn't his strongest point, you know, but you see the style of hurling now suits him perfectly, like likes of Peter Casey as well. Um, you know, the ball in is mixed up, it's varied. Um, I, I Limerick always had good hurlers, always well able to mix it physically. I just think the style of hurling now and just there's a bit of thought in it, you know, a bit more thought and stuff, and I think it suits Limerick down to the ground, really. Um, they're a huge team, but also hugely skillful, like, so I think currently i suppose look hurling changed massively from when i started like when you started first you weren't really worried about looking after the ball you know it was it was more about getting it close to the forwards goals really and doing the damage in there and have forwards who were who were able to win their own ball you know um but um as we as you progress as you progressed on through my career anyway it went from kind of long ball and next thing there was midfielders were coming more into it which is where i was involved like and then it changed again, like, and it was more half forwards, half backs were in it, like, you know, towards the end of my career, like, that's where it goes. But look, it changes, it varies as you go along. And um, I think currently the style Limerick have at the moment suits them down to the ground anyway. And, like, there was, I suppose, at the early stages of the career, there was a lot of changes with managers, Justin McCarty, Don O'Grady, John Allen. Was that disruptive, do you think, as a player, going from managers year to year? Uh, it is disruptive, yeah, there's no two ways about that, really, Paul. Um, you go from settling in and trusting manager and the manager starting to trust you and next thing is gone and you might have trials, games, or there might be a trial period, the panel might be larger and you're trying to work, look for your place that way and when that's going on, you're not like you're not really focusing on the year ahead in, in that phase of the year like because you're actually just trying to secure your place in the panel like um, and trying to prove yourself that way. So look, that happened, like Justin was there 9 and 10, and then Donald O'Grady came in for, for 11, like, and in 12 and, and 13, John Allen was around, like, you know, and um, then, then, like, TJ was in with Donald O'Grady again, like, so you're constantly trying to gain trust with the manager, and the manager, as I said, trying to trust you, and you're, you're trying to learn his style of play, and you can't do that in one year, like, it, if the managements are consistently changing, it's very difficult. The fact that John is going into his fourth year now, it brings a huge amount of stability. They have the core group there since 2017. All those young fellas who came in, the minor panels from 13 and 14, the 21s panels from 15 and 17, like, all those lads that are in now, like, John knows them, they know John, like, they know what he's looking for, what he wants, um, John know what he, John knows what he wants from the players. The coaches are, are the same. There's Alan Cunningham still there. Um, Paul Canork is still involved. Angus and Donald Grady um, came in. Angus came in in, in nineteen, and Donald Grady's in now in twenty. And like that, um, that that stability is huge for a group because there's no like. Obviously, you have to prove yourself every night in training, and but like, but John knows what he has. He knows what he wants, and and it's huge because. 
you you can when you get back in the start of the year then like if when they go back training for for the start of the year in that first phase they're looking down the road instead of looking what they currently have you know they're preparing for down the road they can plan for that and um, when you're constantly changing managers and switching it up you're you're always trying to prove something in in the in the present time instead of looking down the road for the championship ahead like you know and before 13 when you studied i suppose getting on top of monster um somewhat was it just going from different game plans when you were having managers changing all the time that was the toughest aspect as a limit player? Um, yeah, look, we I suppose after 2010 and, and that and that year went by, like we were we were lucky in eleven against Waterford. We could have made a breakthrough there, like we got a win. We just needed one big win, you know. Um that's what we needed. And, and it just was was difficult to come at Cumbay and 11 to Waterford, narrowly last book of the game, John Milan goal. Um, 2012, Tip emptied the bench and and came, overcame us there in the last 10 minutes again. We thought we had him. And 13, then we got that win against Tip, and it just that's what we needed. We needed one big win um, just to, just for the confidence, just to get over. And we won the Munster in 13 and 14, then we came over, got over Tip again and lost to Cork, one we kind of maybe, maybe might have thrown away, you know, a blown Parky Cueve. And, um, and obviously losing to the All Ireland semi final to Kilkenny was was um, was a tough one to take as well. And then we started transition again. Like some lads ended up leaving and moving on the panel, and it started to change up slowly and and, and bit by bit, 15, 16. And I suppose by the time John came in in 17, I suppose there was a big change in the panel from what it had been in 14. Um, other lads went in 17. John moved on a few, and um, and other young lads came in and I suppose that's where they've built from now like you know that transition period lads leaving after 14 and 15 and 16 and some younger lads coming through Keen came through there early and Kyle as well a couple of young lads came through earlier than some of the others but then in 17 a huge amount came through so I suppose it's just kind of yeah just we, I just think we needed one big win I'm not sure it was the, the like a lot of the styles were similar Don O'Grady and John Allen had similar styles you know around then and, and TJ the same because Don O'Grady was back in so the style was the same we just needed one win and when we came by it we kind of got in a bit of a run but then obviously the, the panel edge and, and stuff came against us and we started to transition again so it kind of it's kind of gone full circle now and a lot of us from from that era are, are gone Nicky and Nicky Graham Barry and Tom are the only ones left like you know so um like you're talking 32 new players like but do you think as well when you were winning titles under um, TJ Ryan that I suppose that it's very underestimated the work TJ Ryan done with Limerick? Uh, yeah, we made great progress. Um, I, I, I've said recently that I think the worst thing we did in 2014 was not talk about the loss afterwards and we didn't deal with it at all. Um, and um, I think obviously I said the transition went, but TJ did great work with the team. We came very close there in 13 and 14. Um, and, and 14 with TJ and 13 with John Allen but um, we just we didn't really drive on after that and then obviously the, the young fellas started coming through and, and bit by bit I suppose the panel changed and obviously those lads now have bedded in and, and, and made their home in the panel like Hi Mark Hi Paul how are things? You good? Good now Good good, good. And briefly Paul uh, before we look in to me, under Max career in Limerick the game against Kilkenny in the rain um, in the semi-final does that feel like one you left behind you still today? Um, I actually, I actually feel that that one was one we left behind more so than thirteen even against Clare. Um, on the day against Clare and thirteen, they came with a system that no one had seen really at intercounty level anyway, and just caught us in the hop. They caught an awful lot of teams in the hop that year. 
and, and obviously then went on and, and beat Clare. But I think in 14, um, we had Kilkenny on the rack and I just think we took our eye off the ball slightly. And uh, obviously Richie Hogan's goal was a killer there that, that day especially. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel 14 was one that got away. I feel it more so than 13. And I just, as I said, I don't think we dealt with that correctly afterwards. Um, Look, and in, in 2014, that wasn't really the done thing. That psychology side of things, that's me speaking now from a player in, in 2020, you know. Um, that speak To speak about that after in 2014 would have been hard of to deal with a loss like that in such a way, but we just didn't, and we found it difficult the year after. We had a real lull after that. I, am, I think the fact that we got really close, and again, for a second time in a second year in a row, um, I, just, we, I think we found that difficult to get over, you know, and, and we struggled big time from there. And Mark, like your time from Limerick '95 to 2009, losing the final to Wexford was that one that hurt you for quite a while, even progressing into years on. Um. Well, yeah, I, I, I suppose I was fortunate enough to kind of come onto that team, and that was a very good team. But they had lost the All Ireland final '94 as well. You know, in a match they should have won, really. Um. So I think. Um, to, to get to get another chance at winning in All Ireland and to kind of fall at the, the final hurdle was very disappointing and probably was the end of that team really even though we kind of came back the following year and won the national league but you know a lot of the a lot of the players in that team I suppose over the you know the few years after that kind of started to kind of drift away so um, yeah it was very disappointing because you know at that time it was a straight knockout it was hard enough to get to the final and. Um, you know, I suppose the disappointing thing, whatever about losing, was kind of not to perform on the day uh, at a level that you'd be kind of happy with. So, um, yeah, the, the defeat is disappointing, but sometimes, you know, if you're beaten right, it is disappointing. But if you perform on the day, you can say, look, that, that's sort of as good as we are. And your, your goal on any given day is to perform to the best of your ability and try and minimise the opposition as much as possible. But I suppose, unfortunately, we felt on the day that we didn't perform to a level that we'd be happy with. And... Um, to be fair, on the day Wexford fully deserved their win, but yeah, you know when you you kind of get up to that level and you win, you lose a couple of All Irelands. Obviously, after that, then there's a period re, period of rebuilding, and and uh, you know a lot of players came and a lot of new, newer players, uh, a lot of players left uh, the stage and a lot of newer players came in. So yeah, it took us a while to kind of get back to to that stage again. And was Tipperary a huge struggle for you, Mike? Do you feel during your time playing to get a victory over them? Um, at the start, no. Um, I think Limerick in general have a decent enough record against Tip because I think when you look at kind of all Ireland's, you know, Tip I think have something like four times as many all Ireland's, but on head to heads, there's very little between them. I think there's only nine or ten in the difference in terms of head to head to head. So, um, it wasn't a huge, uh, it wasn't a, a massive uh, deal to get over Tip when I came in at the start. I think Limerick were after beating Tip in a league final. If you go back all the way to '92 and you know, the great win that day and um, got over the line, you know, in Munster Championship the following year and managed to beat Tip in 95 and 96 then as well after a replay. Um, but like Tip came back and beat us in 97 then after that and and, and um, definitely, I suppose, given the fact that you were in a period of rebuilding at that stage and Tip were were, um, were, were good, they were beating all in the final in 97 by Clare and they had good underage teams coming, etc. And, you know, we really struggled at underage at that time to, to be bringing any players through at all. So it was an uphill struggle. I don't think it was a big deal that it was just Tip that was beating us, but uh, I suppose at the time, you know, 
post 96 they were just better than us as simple as that and uh, tries we might you know we just couldn't um we couldn't get over the line and i suppose at that stage we were um you know we probably would have been maybe fourth or fifth best in munster to be fair if you were to call a spade a spade at that stage and like you mentioned knockout there but you were coming up against when Clare were in their pomp with the Brian Lowens, Anthony Davies, Tipper getting to finals, Cork um, as well, Mark Landers and these lads. Like, so Munster was hugely tough to get out of at that time with a knockout format. Well, it was because, like, you know, if, if you go back to the mid-90s, like Cork had a very, very good team, kind of embraced this running game and, you know, brought a lot of new things to the, to the table. And, you know, Waterford had their best team in a generation. And I'll even include the current team, like, you know, you, you know, if you if you look at that Waterford team and if they're around today, like, you know, you look at the six forwards they have, they had at that time, you know, you're looking at Dan Shannon, Paul Flynn, John Milan, Seamus Prendergast, Don Kelly, like, you know, the names that kind of, you know, tip off the tongue. And it's uh, it's just unfortunate for them that they came up at a time when Cork were outstanding and Kilkenny were just a little bit better than everyone else at the time. So it's just unfortunate for that group of players from Waterford that they came around kind of at a wrong time because, you know, they probably deserved maybe to win two, if not three All-Irons and couldn't manage one even like so. Um, you know, Munster was very, very difficult at the time. And obviously Tip Raw was very, very good at, you know, at, um, you know, even even Tipperary in, in, in teams that they class very much as average tip teams, they were always a serious, uh, serious outfit and very, very hard to, to, to get over. So, and then you had Clare, I suppose, that post their 97 All-Ireland, you know, they still had, the likes of Brian Law and Shawnee McMahon, they got to an honor in the final against Kilkenny there on E3, I think it was in 90, 99, 2000, 99 Cork. Yeah, it was maybe three or four years after even winning the All-Ireland. So they were still there, thereabouts. And, you know, the standard was was, was good at the time, even though, like, it's, it's a completely different game to what it is now. Like, it was very much still man for man. And, and um, even though Cork kind of came with something different there in the 2000s, it was still kind of you know, go out and uh, beat the man you're on. And I suppose it's it, 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 it's a question of putting the scores on the board if you're good enough to do that. But um, yeah, at the time, very, very competitive Munster Championship. And I suppose, to be fair, Kilkenny were, were kings of the lot of them then after that. Um, I know uh, Cork beat them in an All-Ireland final, but, you know, when Cork were going for three in a row, then Kilkenny kind of toppled them in 2006 and kind of took over the landscape after that, maybe for the guts of, you know, seven or eight years. And Paul, like we're looking back at your career, Mark's career, but like John Kiley and Paul Kinnear, two men who came in, do you just think really they brought the professionalism to a new level and that's the difference? Um, look, it moved on across the board, like, you know, all of our sport has gone to a new level, like it's not that certain people come in and 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 bring it to a new level on their own like it happens across the board like you compare sport in ireland 10 years ago in any code soccer be it in our league of ireland soccer or rugby provincial rugby even or anything like that sure it's all gone to a new level altogether paul like it's not that certain people come in it's that people become more educated college is a big thing now everyone goes to college a lot of trades back then so a lot more people are coming out with degrees in s and c and nutrition and sports science and everything like sports science in ul is a huge one like you know now so many people go through it and the performance masters as well and everything like that so 
I just think like Irish culture in general moved on as regards to professionalism in sport and people wanting to take it more serious. Um, like I suppose Paul, from a coaching aspect, like his PhD is in coaching, like so he obviously is hugely talented in that area. He spent a huge amount of time in America and Ohio there with with his uh, PhD supervisor and stuff like so. He's obviously big into the coaching side of things and the dynamics of coaching and the the environment of coaching and how what you expose players to and stuff like that so look he is he is taking the coaching aspect of it to a new level a lot of people but there's a lot of people like that Mikey Beavens blowing Watford is doing the same with them at the moment and there's many many coaches in Ireland who were like coaching now during the lockdown is after taking off there's so many webinars and, and courses on coaching like you see there's a huge interest in it now in Ireland at the moment so I, I think the standard is only going to go up even more like you know it's not it's not as if the players weren't professional at the time they were professional for the setups we were in like and, and mark will agree with that it's not it's not yeah. as if fellas weren't doing what they weren't not as if fellas weren't doing anything they weren't supposed to be doing they were all doing exactly what everyone else was doing at the time and it just moves on gradually and slowly like i mean when i started in 2009 it was mark's last year you'll agree like that like Joe S and C was starting to come in then even like i'm, I'm sure towards the end of your career mark you saw that coming yeah. in s and c and stuff like um mm. And then obviously it progressed on again, and even from 2009 to the mid 2000s, the 2010s there, like, I mean, it jumped a huge amount there in the start of my career, and obviously then it progressed on again hugely, so I think across the board, like, Irish sport has changed, not to mind, like, we take a lot from the UK and, and Australia and, and America, we kind of catch up with them, you know, so I think that's kind of how it goes. And Mark, do you feel the under-21 success that Limerick had under... John Cody has been huge going into the senior team. I yeah, there's I suppose there's no doubt about that. I suppose the the main thing about um, you know the um, the underage scene in Limerick, regardless of success and success is brilliant, is that you're producing players, and you're producing players who are kind of ready to go into a senior setup, and I suppose not only from a kind of a hurling point of view, which is of course the the most important thing I think anyway you know that they're also educated in terms of you know how to get the best out of themselves in terms of nutrition lifestyle the strength and conditioning component as well which they, they're, they're starting fairly younger in terms of or, or a, lot, a bit younger now in terms of getting their technique right and all that kind of stuff so um yeah I think they're just the better educated and uh, they know the kind of the steps they have to take to to improve as individuals and improve as a team then and of course then you're you're into the realm of culture as well and and, and, and correct culture and a dressing room and a county and, and set up and all that you know about you know players being humble and being aware of their uh, their strengths and also aware of, of their weaknesses that they have to work on so i think there's a very good system in limerick and you know success was a byproduct of that and obviously it just gives uh, confirmation and, and and evidence that what we're doing in limerick is, is is good what we're doing in limerick is working and it's right so i suppose the the success was brilliant in that it confirmed all of those things uh, are, 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 that are happening are right, but it also gives the players confidence that um, you know that it uh, that we can compete at that level, and it, it's a natural progression then to go on to senior level. But on top of that, then you're eliminating any any kind of maybe mental baggage that 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 potentially would be there if you're doing all of that kind of stuff, and um, you are not getting results. So I suppose you know it, it, it's something maybe that the the the, the lads on the, on the squad at the moment know because. Jeez, I remember when I played underage, we didn't win a game. Like, and a lot of the time we got, we got hammered. Like, so, um, there was always a question mark. Like, I suppose, were you good enough? And then you get in and you start competing with guys, and you then 
you feel that you're 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 probably you know every bit as good as them. Um, and but that takes a while to get over. But that that barrier is not there with these guys because they've been successful all the way up. They've been competitive all the way up, and uh, they they certainly they certainly know like that what's going on. Like as Paul Paul knows what you know a lot more than me about it because he's stuck in the middle of it. That what's happening is is um is working and like you know i think to be fair limerick are kind of in ga terms anyway like we're probably you know a lot of our stuff is probably at at the cutting edge of the the ga scene at the moment and i think that's very important because um you know players take a lot of confidence from that and paul do you think like the backing from jp mcmanus has been huge as well um obviously look it's a obviously it's a help there's not two ways about it like you know i think it's more aside from the backing or whatever financially i don't think it's as much as people think anyway to start with like you know but um uh, just his support really in general you know and i suppose the feel good factor that he brings like you see someone like that supporting the county everyone else starts to row in behind it as well but um i think it's more Whatever about finances, like, I mean, we see there's loads of talk about it at the moment in the GA, but I suppose there was a plan implemented back in the, the late 2000 and the late 90s, early 2010s, like, there was a plan implemented, it was well thought out, um, it was well acted upon, and I think you see the fruits of that with the players who've come through now, it's all, like, you can have plenty of money or whatever you want, but if you don't use it correctly or if you're not willing to do the right thing and if you don't get the right crop of players and get them early enough and the work isn't done in the clubs as well, like, it's 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 not worth much to you, you know. Um, I think that, as Mark said there, like, a plan was implemented. Um, lots of people, like, I'm involved in it now at the moment, but lots of very good people came before me and did a fantastic job in it and you see the fruits of it now and as Mark said, those young fellas have come through now and they're like, I saw it firsthand when they started integrating into the team, they were just a different breed of fella, no mental baggage, um, well used to winning, um, expected to win, had really, really high standards like uh, those lads were coming into the gym, into the, into the gym and, and into the team and the field and training as, as fully grown men. Like when I came on the panel as, as a 19 year old in 2009, I'd barely seen the inside of a gym. Like those lads are, are, are lifting huge weight, their culture is right, their nutrition is right, their attitude towards training, as Mark said, they're well aware of their strengths, but they're so coachable, their, their weaknesses, they're willing to work on them and give them time. And I think that's, as he said there, the culture aspect of Limerick at the moment is really good. Um, you go through the inter-county underage teams at the moment, you won't find one fella who'll step out of line early. They're all, they'll all toward the line. They're all very humble and they're well aware of the privilege it is to be representing their county at the moment and they're really striving to go on and represent it at senior adult level. And something Mark Limerick can do this weekend uh, if they do beat Waterford is be unbeaten in the league and championship and I don't think that's happened since 06 or 07 from the Kilkenny team so it'd be a remarkable achievement to achieve that. Yeah of course and uh, you know this is the the most important game of them all like you know I'm sure um, I'm sure Declan and the lads they wouldn't mind being beaten in one or two league games now if they got over the line on Sunday and they were guaranteed that so you know obviously like no one wants to be beaten on Sunday and this is the most important game of the year like so it, it all boils down to this really and um, yeah you know they've been definitely regardless of the uh, the result on Sunday they've been definitely the farm team over the last you know three years now like you know they've been outstanding all year um, very very impressive last year as well and Munster final kind of I suppose the first maybe 20-25 minutes against Kilkenny didn't perform and that kind of put pay to their year last year but you know in, in, in the 
you know, in 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 the um, in the greater context of things over the last two or three years, they've definitely been the most consistent team. But again, like that's kind of um, that doesn't affect or it has no influence over you know the the game on Sunday. Like it's 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 a final and it it has to be won. Like so, you know what's going on before that? Grand, you take confidence from it, and that you know, you know if you've done it before, you can do it again. But this is a new game, and uh, you know I'm sure that Limerick will be uh, looking forward to the challenge. And Paul, people often talk about the Limerick system. I suppose you got to experience it when John Kelly came in, but like year one, beaten by Clare in the Munster semi-final, was did you find it hard and the players to adjust to the system when he came in at the start? Um, I, I don't think. Uh, Maybe finding it hard is the wrong term. I just think it took us a bit of time to be comfortable with it. Um, if you look at that Clare game, and especially the Kilkenny game, it was very close to clicking. It was just a small bit off, I think. Um, and Fellas, like, it was well thought out. He, like, the, they had assessed, obviously, the players they had and what suited and the style of player that would suit and that they had the players to do it. Just took a bit of being, being comfortable with it. And I've, I've said that when we came back in 2018, um, it just felt like everyone knew what was required of us and the management knew what they wanted from us and we knew what they wanted from what 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 we wanted from uh, them and um, I just think it clicked. Um, a lot of people talk about the style of play and and how Limerick are changing the game. I'm not sure like they are in a certain sense, but really the whole premise of the style is to look after the ball as best as possible. Um, it's not as if they've come with this hugely creative or inventive way of hurling. They they get possession and they keep possession and they do it well and they move it to the right areas before moving it on again. Um, nothing is everything is thought out and, and well thought out and they do it quick and they're they're comfortable under pressure and like it's it's not I, I don't think I don't think it's as drastic as maybe the Clare or the Queen Cork came around in the mid two thousands there and, and brought in the running game that probably hadn't ever been seen in, in, in hurling, you know. I don't think it's as, as as creative as that or inventive. I, I think they they look after the ball when they have it. They don't give it away cheaply and they win it back as quick as they can. And um, so it's just a it's a real high pressure, high energy game and I suppose that's why you see now that the bench is so so important um, for Limerick at the moment because they need lads to finish it off. And um, look, as as Mark said, there Sunday is going to be a one-off game. Um, I think we'll probably see something different from Waterford that we haven't seen already. That like Liam Cahill is going to come with something different to try and stifle or he uh, stifle Limerick. And look, he's had the benefit of the Munster final as well, which um, he will have learned a huge amount from that. And um, I think it's going to be it'll be a real test of Limerick's. Limerick system on, on, on Sunday, I think just how, how well they can look after the ball and how well, how quick they can win it back against the Waterford side who are really set up like Limerick style of play suits Waterford to play suits Waterford playing against Limerick and, and Waterford style of play will suit Limerick equally like so it's gonna be a real real battle of wills really and who'll stick it out the longest, I think. And Mark, like we've talked on the podcast about this Limerick team, the versatility, but like even moving Declan Hannon back to centre back, he was a forward for the majority of his career before John Kiley came in as well. And Kyle Hayes back to wing back, Keane Lynch to centre forward, Dan Marcy, like this huge versatility. Yeah, well, that's the modern game for you. I think this middle third, like, you know, it's very fluid. A lot of the time, um, half hours can be playing as halfbacks. And you see Kyle Hayes the last day, he got up the field and he spent a lot of time in the forward. So it's a very, you know, you, you've got to be very interchangeable um, with the system that Limerick play. Um, and certainly, I, I think Declan going back centre back was probably just to get him on the ball. And sometimes, you know, Declan um, is 
you know, he's more of a threat offensively in that position than he would be in the half-hour line because um, he's a little bit more time in the ball. He can um, make things happen from there. And, you know, again, it's just going back to what Paul was saying there. I think a lot of li what Limerick do, it's just about making the right decision with the ball. Like, it's it's it's, it's as simple as that. Like, and I know that from the, the training and all that, they've been put through those scenarios in order to, to help them make the right decisions on the ball in the match. Like, so, you know, Declan gets the ball. It's, you know, I suppose a lot of the time, to be fair, he probably plays as a seven back. And sometimes you might have, if they're defending, they might have uh, even more than that. But if he's alone, like, it's you know, obviously, if they're down forwards, they're not going to be lumping the ball in on top of the on top of them so it's about just giving a smart ball to, to someone in front of you and maybe linking the play after that and support play after that and then and then maybe going for a score or letting the ball into into space just it's, it's just simply making the right decision on the ball all the time and I think you know you see Kyle Hayes the last day there as well like he was actually um, a, a new attacking threat from left half back like because Almost everybody got. He just put his head down and kept going. And automatically, when when he went past his man, then went straight away. You have an extra man created. So I mean, someone's going to have to come to you then, and you can either pop it off to someone who gets a score in a half hour line, or else you can keep going and, uh, and and take score yourself. So I think look, a lot of it is just about using the ball right. But I mean, the kind of again, going back to you know when I was playing, which is a long time ago now, um, and when I started anyway, like it's a completely different game, like. Your job back then, if you were a back, was to defend, stop your man. But no, like it doesn't matter where you are on the field, even cornerbacks. Like you'll see the cornerbacks if they get to the, bo the ball from Limerick and corner forwards are withdrawing or whatever. Like their job is just to get on the ball and you know travel with it and create an extra man or give a, a ball through the lines and make things happen. Like because um, you know it's it's every bit as easy to create a score from there as it is in a congested middle third where there's a little bit more pressure. Absolutely, and. Paul, do you think like for Limerick, it's an extra pressure this weekend having to beat the same team twice in the one year? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I just know from involved last year anyway, and, and the year before that with that group, let's say that they will they will try and hit their targets. That's it. It'll be another game. It could be any color jersey in the field, any group of players they're playing against. Um, they'll try and just, you know, it's a day for hitting their targets for their. KPIs like and, and just getting getting over the line there if they hit all those they'll win the game it's as simple as that and I think that's the way they're going to be approaching it um, I don't think they're I, I, I've seen a bit from the boys during the week in the media about you know, the neutrals going for water and stuff it won't cost them a thought they won't even cross their minds who they're playing or what it means to Waterford if they win um, they're, they're a team who like Limerick, Limerick thrive on emotion a good bit, you know, and, and the fact that there's no crowd there and stuff and, and things like, it just won't matter. Um, like years ago, Limerick would have fed off emotion, but this team are nearly, they're nearly emotionless. Like it sometimes, you know, they just do their job, try and hit their targets and try and get over the line. Um, they won't care who they're playing. They won't care that what it means to Watford or, you know, that there's no crowd there. There could be one person there. There could be, it could be 82,000. They'll still try and do the same job that they have to do. They have targets to hit and, Whenever they get their list of targets or their feedback back from Sean O'Donnell after the game, if they don't hit those, they'll be fine and tick, regardless of whether they win or lose. Obviously, if they lose, they'll be tick anyway. But if they win and they don't hit their targets, you can be sure those lads will be sour over it, um, regardless of having won, because that's the way they're... That's ingrained in them now at the moment. They're, they're, they're a real competitive bunch. They're, 
target driven like they, they they want to hit them every day they play and look the fact that there's no crowd there covid the whole lot won't matter the fact it's war for trying to beat them twice won't matter and they have a job to do and, and they'll do it you know and paul you mentioned the targets there is it just as simple as your targets are written out before the game and handed you and you know what you have to achieve uh, look they, they know them from the start of the year and, and obviously, as the year ramps up, um, those targets rise to, to to match the occasion in the game. You know, um, tar- your targets that you want to hit, in, in and obviously in the national league and stuff, and the Watford Crystal and things like that, and and uh, or the the co-op um, league, like they're obviously different to the targets you need to be hitting at the end of the year. And all the lads know those; they have a huge input in creating them, along with the backroom team and the management. So it's a it's a kind of a, a joined up effort. Um, it's not it's not being fed down from the top down like you know it's a, it's, a, it's a combined effort and um, they know what they need to hit they've known it all year long and they're involved in the process of creating them so um, like they, they all know it it's not handed to you or anything like that they've known what they are from the start of the year and it gradually builds up and Mark like you'd have to think there's a few decisions to make for John Collins again Seamus Flanagan obviously went in on the edge of the square impressed and Peter Casey was hungry for action to the last day came in David Reedy came in um, do you think there will be changes for Limerick this weekend? It's hard to know. Like you'd really have to be inside to to see what's going on in the um, you know, in the in-house games and training sessions and that kind of thing. I I, I think they had their last training session there last weekend. Um, so I, I I'd imagine like you know I suppose any any fifty fifty calls would have been based a lot on that maybe um and and you know how players are going and training and stuff like that. So. In relation to the, the team itself, um, I don't think there'll be too many changes. Um, you know, Peter Casey was impressed very right when he came on the last day, and you know, impressed again in the Munster final, maybe in the first half. Um, Seamus Flanagan did okay again the last day. Graham was quiet, like, but that's strange for Graham. Like, I'd expect Graham to start. Um, so, other than that, like, you know, you, 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 there's not going to be too many changes. Tom Morrissey wasn't great in the Munster final, but he was very good the last day. Gerald Higgerty's been outstanding all year. And then you have like Keane Lynch is going to start. No, there won't be many changes. Um, I don't think. Um, but like what what's important again with with, with Limerick is, is is you know as as Paul said about hitting targets and that they set a really high tempo. I think and uh, you know when it goes to the down the stretch like that uh, they're able to bring on the the subs to to finish off the job because um, you know I think it's really important with, with Limerick that they have a very strong bench. But uh, obviously the bench strength of the bench, uh, the effect is, is is huge if you can set a really, really hot pace and a high tempo and make sure that, uh, you know, the opposition is tiring there in the last quarter. And Paul, do you think the lack of goals is a worry at all? Mm, I, no, honestly, I don't. Um, Limerick could have easily had three goals against Galway. Um, they got their few goals against Tip. Um, like... Obviously, they would like to be scoring more goals. Um, definitely, you know, and the forwards are always delighted going for goals and delighted to try and get goals. But um, I, I don't think it's a worry. Um, I think they'll, if the opportunity arises, they, they'll take them on, on Sunday. You know, um, they're probably disappointed with their 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 the goals that they tried to get on against Galway. Um, probably swung the game a small bit momentum-wise, even you know they're going for goals. Um, and I think they'll probably try and work more clear-cut goal chances on Sunday. I think that'll probably be the only difference. And Mark, I suppose you're obviously going to predict Limerick to win, but where do you think they're going to hold the advantage against Waterford? Uh, well, just on the goals thing as well, I think to be fair, like if you look at the last two games, like in Limerick didn't score goals, but like you're up against kind of 
defences that had uh, covering defender both both times. So you know those those channels that are trying to work were probably um, put off a little bit. Um, so look, I think it might be um, it, it 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 might be the same in uh, on Sunday because like the likes of Paul De Borca there or Tyke De Borca will be sitting back maybe trying to cut out those goal scoring opportunities, but. Uh, you know, just on, on the goals thing, I think, you know, if Limerick can, can raise a green flag or two on Sunday, you know, I'd, I'd fancy them to win. But I, I, I think um, nowadays goals are nearly like a five-pointer, especially when you have two similar teams like Limerick and Watford uh, meeting meeting each other because, um, you know, there's the space is at a premium. A lot of the times the attackers are outnumbered. And, uh, you know, if you can get a goal in those uh, under those conditions and circumstances, I think it's huge. Um, so ultimately, I, I just feel... You know, if Limerick can get a goal, I think they'll win, or a goal or two, especially, I think they'll win. And on top of that, I just feel that Limerick maybe, in terms of their squad, I feel that they're, they're you know, they're, they have more options off the bench. And I feel ultimately that that, that could swing the tie. We saw it in the Munster, the Munster final when Watford really put it up to Limerick. But, you know, I think strength and depth is huge in the modern game. And I think, you know, even though Watford, they, they, I, I think they were more impressive off the bench the last day than I had seen them all year. I still think Limerick's strength and depth, I think, um, is enough to, to see them over the line. I think that's that's a huge factor in the modern game. And I think um, it could well come into play again on Sunday. And Paul, would you expect Limerick? push up maybe a bit further than they have, especially with the threat Waterford have from that halfback line. Um I no, I actually quite the opposite I think really. Um I think the Limerick will probably try and make sure that their half back line doesn't get drawn up the field. Um I think that'll be the big thing. Um I think you'll probably um, as Mark said there about Declan being like a seventh back, I think that'll really come into effect at the weekend now. I think they'll probably end up, they might even draw out a second um, corner forward to come out the field. They might play one inside with two out instead of what they usually do, which is two inside and one out. Um, I think they'll probably go with two out and they'll probably try and drop back that half back line into that middle third and combat Waterford there, you know, and try and really congest that area and kind of limit the space for the likes of Desi Hutchinson inside and, and Stephen Bennett and co and, and Austin, even if he's in there, you know. Um, so I, I, I don't think they'll push up the field because I think that's exactly what Waterford are going to be looking for. Um, Waterford want to drag you out and then they want to run the ball through the lines and, and create the overlap, as, as Mark has talked about. And um, I think if Waterford get on that kind of a role, um, I think you'll be in trouble. I think that's what really cockled Kenny out. Um, in that second half, um, in the first half, I think Waterford just couldn't get a handle on their skills. They just left them down a small bit and, and it just broke down what they were trying to do. But when they settled into it and obviously after half time, uh, like they got their running game going. They drew Kilkenny half back line out the field slightly and they really punished them from there. They ran through and got great joy. And then when they did deliver the ball in, there was loads of space inside. So I actually think Limerick will probably draw out the field more and really congest that middle third i think it's going to there's going to be a huge amount of turnovers in there um and a huge amount of pressure and i think that's really where the game is going to be one last and look i know that's in the modern days and, and modern hurling like the middle third i know that's a cliche to say it's going to be one and last in there but i think around like i think the game is probably going to be one around that kind of um that limerick 65 line you know where the half back and the midfield and half forwards for Watford are going to be are going to be engaged in there and i think the half forwards from limerick are going to have a huge role to play and i think you'll probably end up seeing the likes of david reedy and, and co sprung maybe a bit earlier than normal because i i think the boys will probably run out of gas a bit sooner because of the game that's going to be needed to, to be played to play against Watford, you know 
that's all on your end back to our early Joe on delivery special. Thanks a million for your time, lads.